0: Hello and welcome to the first ever Mush to Talk About podcast. My name's Andrew. I'm, I'm the channel owner, you could say, or a podcast owner of the of the Mush to Talk About podcast. Um, so yeah, today obviously just thought I'd uh, I'd bang one of these out because I just thought, why not? Got some time off work. Why not send something out? and I can have a laugh at it later. Um, so just a, obviously a brief introduction of what I'm going to be talking about today. I am going to be on my own today. There's not going to be another guest. It will just be myself. So it's going to be a bit weird speaking um, well, to myself and to to a microphone in a room on my own. So it is a little bit strange, but hopefully um, there will be other people joining me on the podcast and talking about other uh, a bunch of different things. So obviously essentially the, the podcast is just a, a chat really about some uh, about things that's going on um, and topics that obviously are prevalent to myself and to my friends. Um, obviously a big part of the podcast is sports. Um, sports is obviously a huge part of my, of my life. Um, and is actually the, obviously the theme of today's, today's podcast, which I thought I'd get my thoughts out on paper because I've seen a lot of videos recently uh, and a lot, obviously I listened to a lot of podcasts myself recently on the, on football, on the topic of sports in general, but obviously majority football. Um, And I've seen a lot of good videos on it recently, but I just thought I'd put in my two cents and essentially throw my hat in the ring uh, and talk about um, a specific case in football currently at the moment, which is obviously prevalent to myself, which is um, the team that I support, Sheffield United, currently being in an incredibly tough part of their season um, uh, or probably one of the worst seasons I've seen as have and pr- uh, probably a, well, a very, very long time. Uh, it, obviously, there's a lot of context and nuances into why this has been one of the worst seasons to be a Sheffield United fan, essentially. Um, and obviously, today's episode is essentially just diving into that a little bit and just seeing... Um, why why have they struggled so much obviously for, for context again they are currently sat at bottom of the league 20th position 20th place bottom of the league um with 11 points currently as at time of recording um so yeah today is just essentially a bit of a um a case study into why why we struggled because there's obviously a lot of reasons to that and uh, i'm going to kind of unwrap that unravel that today so yeah, I'm gonna hop in, and uh, we're gonna start start the pod. Thank you for the. This is just a quick introduction, but yeah, let's go. <clears throat> okay, so obviously, as I, as I said many times in the introduction, why is Sheffield United just uh, struggling in the league this season? So there's going to be a few things I'm going to talk. Uh, tap on today um essentially just as a quick overview obviously to start off with kind of a chronological order um, i'd say you know The summer transfers, the businesses that we did um, at the start of the season and um, obviously our our attacking, our defensive shape, um, obviously injuries um, in that as well. And obviously where we're going forward and obviously what's going to be the the case of next season and um, just bits and pieces of what to really expect and where we go from the position that we're in. Obviously, to start off with... um, like I said, chronological order, I'm going to be starting with the summer transfer dealing. So again, um, I'm pretty sure I've nailed everyone um, on the list. I've also given them a bit of a rating of where I think, what I think their performances has been so far from what we've seen. Obviously I've tried to be as fair as I possibly can. Obviously I don't want to be ripping into them too much, obviously. But um, yeah, to start off with, obviously the, the, let's see, I think what the five, or six players that we brought in in the summer. First one was the goalkeeper, Aaron Ramsdale. Um, so, I decided. Obviously, looking into that, I thought the business that we did at the start was was a bit a bit questionable. Um, obviously, not not so much of the signing. I just think the money that we spent from, especially what we we let him let him go for. Obviously, when he went to Bournemouth, it, I think it was obviously less than a million pounds. To then spending eighteen and a half billion for him, um, even at the time of signing him, I was like, that is a lot of money we spent. That, that's a big chunk of our budget on. Um, on a goalkeeper, but I was excited. I was hopeful because I'm thinking, you know, well, it's a keeper that is ours now. Obviously, Dean Henderson spent two seasons on loan with us um, and it was absolutely fantastic uh, within those t- two years. And it's been a real club icon as well. Uh been a real shame um, to, to not see him part of the squad again this year. But um, I was excited. I had, I wouldn't say I had massively high hopes. I'd say I had pretty average hopes of like, okay, he's not going to be as good as Dean Henderson, but I still think he will. Um, we will, like sorry, he will like improve to to be a strong signing for us. And not definitely not like the worst of the bunch. Um and again, obviously, just for my my thoughts this season, my, my thoughts were pretty um were pretty like low, to be honest. Like I, I thought we had this season was going to be very, very difficult. I knew it was not gonna be like another season like last season. We finished in ninth which again, the best season I've ever seen us have as a Sheffield United fan. I've never been so proud of them in in, in this massive, in in the Wild Air era. It was an absolute dream, a pleasure to watch them. So, so proud of them. But I knew that was not going to be the case this season. I I think basically, obviously, I'll touch into it later on in the podcast, but I think obviously the end of last season really kind of put a seed of doubt. I think a lot of Blades fans, especially my mind, um, of to to where we're going to finish but i never thought realistically we would be at the bottom of the table um or in the relegation zone i thought again realistically we'll probably finish 14th 15th i thought that was a pretty fair assumption um i thought you know building on where we were last season i thought that was pretty fair i think maybe Leeds. i thought Leeds were probably going to finish above us a couple of the new teams were going to do maybe a little bit better but um but yeah how wrong how wrong i was so um but you know we're in the position we're in now, um, but I, I thought fair enough assessment. Actually, I think this might be a bit controversial because I know a lot of Blades fans are are pretty harsh on him. But I thought Ramsdale was a seven. I've given him a seven out of ten so far this season. Um, I, I think a lot of the goals we've conceded, a lot of the mistakes um, that has happened, isn't down to him. Um, don't get me wrong; he's had a couple of like bad games he's he's letting a couple of poor goals on his own back but i think there's been a lot of goals where i've seen and i've just like well you know the guy's got no chance he's got no chance of saving it uh no chance of you know kind of putting on that performance he's getting put under you know tough tough um tough um scenarios and and situations for like again a young keeper um but then he has a couple of games where he's absolutely fantastic again last um last night uh, sorry not last night a Sunday obviously the last game against Liverpool It was absolutely fantastic and I think that's it's very encouraging seeing performances like that because we know he's a good player um, but I think he just well I think he just needs more time with the team and I think that will obviously again I'll come into the pod later on but I think that will probably happen next season but um, yeah I, I really don't I, I really don't throw blame at, um, at his door I don't think it's anything realistically to do with him Um Dean Henderson was a fantastic keeper, as I've already mentioned. But I, I honestly believe, if he was in the squad this season, I don't think we'd be in a much better position. Um, and I think he would also be having a, a tough, uh, tough decision. Would we be on eleven points? Probably not. I think we still have, would have a little bit more, but I still think we would be in the relegation zone. I don't think he is. I think it's quite easy as a generic fan of the Premier League to go, "Oh, well, it's because Dean Henderson's left; they're not doing well." Obviously, there's, like I said, there's many other reasons, and obviously, I'm going to touch on that. But I'm going to kind of go through these um, player ratings a little bit quicker there. So I thought uh, Max Lowe, I I was excited when he came and he looked really good against Burnley. But being honest, might be a bit harsh, but from what I've seen in the Premier League, I'd say four out of ten. Not really been that impressed, not really seen a big performance in the Premier League. Obviously, I'm excited to see what he can do next season, but this season, yeah, it's definitely a four out of ten. And again, I was excited when he came over, but again... He's had a couple of big standout games against Leeds. He was good. Liverpool at Anfield, he was great. Um, he looked good in the a couple I think a couple of games ago. He started kind of picking up a bit of form again. Um, and last last night against Liverpool again, I, I can't can't really knock him too bad. I think you know, obviously the the defense as a whole is is very rickety. But I'd say six out of ten for him. I'd say he's just about average, just maybe a little bit above average. <clears throat> um the, the weirdest one, the weirdest signing of the bunch this season was Ollie Burke. Um, obviously, my, I'm Scottish myself, so, but I, I don't watch a lot of the Scotland national games because I want to enjoy my time. I want to enjoy football, so I don't tend to watch them. But Scotland fans have got a very negative opinion of Ollie Burke. There's never really been many fans of clubs that have said he's been exceptionally fantastic at all. Um, they've all said he's been... Like very, like very average or bad. Like he's, you know, he shouldn't be a footballer. But if I'm being honest, Hollybert's been one of the better ones of our of our signings, and he gives us something completely different. Um, a, a guy that's really broad and strong up top as well as being absolutely rapid. It's, it's a combination that just you don't get in mo- most footballers. I know Kaya. Yeah, he's not going to go out and score ten goals a season, but he's very, very different. And he brings us a, a crazy, different dynamic, and I'm excited to see what he, again he can do next season. So I give him a seven point five, seven point five, just for exactly we need. He does exactly what we need him to do, um, and he do, and obviously he's, he's got a couple of goals so far. Obviously, the one against Man United was a bit of a bit of a, a fluke, but you know, still counts. So yeah, I think he's been seven point five. Jaden will, by far out of everyone that we brought in, been the best. And he was the one I was most excited about seeing. Um, I've given him an 8.5 out of 10 just because, again, when he's coming, he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, and he's he's looking like a real player. He's he's the one that this season I've said to, to my mates, Look out for him because yeah, he is class. He's brilliant, a proper good right wing back gets up top, he can score goals, he just looks so confident and comfortable on the ball. His defense, not amazing, but again. For like such a young player in these very early 20s, he looks like a player. He looks like he can do something like be really good for us. Um, so I've given him um, high praise there. I've given him a high score. But like I said, I, every time I've watched him, I've been very, very impressed with him. And he's definitely been uh, one of our very few bright sparks this season. Last one there, Rhian Brewster. I've given him a 5.5. Again, I, I really... I'm really excited to see what this kid can do for us in a Sheffield United shirt. But this season, he's been—I can't really throw any of the blame at him, if I'm honest. Like, I think he's probably the fittest player at the club because every time I watch him, he's always running around. He never gets the ball. He's always running about. But I think this season, throwing a young striker who's never played any Premier League football into a Premier League side who are at bottom of the league, who's almost record-breakingly bad, where we struggled to get service to to our strikers at the best of times throwing blame at him and saying why is he not scoring goals i think i think it's just so stupid and counter and counterproductive um and i think we will see him do good do great for us but it's just obviously not been this season um and 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 that's and it's, it's a real shame that that's the case because he's someone i'm i've generally not been that excited to see like i, I was so excited to see him come to the club so i still think we've not seen obviously we've definitely not seen the best of him yet, but I think his time will come and he will show how good he actually is. But obviously just at the moment I've had to pass in. he's not passing the eye test. So, he's you know, 5.5 for now, but I generally think he could be a remarkable player for us in the future. Um, and hopefully that, that'll be the case. Um, but obviously at the moment, you know, he's, he's not giving us anything really. And, but, um, yeah, so that's obviously just a quick overview of the summer of signings. So of, of the business in general, I mean, I, I remember it wasn't being too fussed. I tried to get excited. Obviously, it's exciting when you sign new players anyway. But I wasn't too buzzing. I wasn't too fussed about it. Um, again, I had no real doubts of us being in a position that we're in. But definitely not, you know, definitely not down to the summer business. But in hindsight, I'm kind of looking at it now and I'm like, ah, may, maybe again, maybe they're not for this season. We're trying to look down the line. There's a lot of... They're all young players in there. There's not a single player in that that's over like 25. They're all really, really young. They're all building for the future and that's what Wilder's trying to do. So I think maybe this is going to be a line in the sand of season where we look back on and go, wow, that that was actually a, an amazing transfer window. Who knows? I'd love that to be the case. I'd love that to be the case. But I just, again, outstanding, outstanding as we are now. Again, it's there were big risks. All of them have not played Premier League football. Um, not not a single one of those players, apart from Aaron Ramsay, had one season at Bournemouth. Um, who also, who also, they also struggled. So again, it's you know, it's it, there's a lot of lacking experience in that. But again, hopefully in the future, that is now going to be. We're going to look back at this one and and look at it as a good good moment in time, and and say that was a, that was a you know that was a turning point for the club, but i'll as it stands it's uh, it's not really looking like that so again that was in chronological order i mean as to as to why as to why we're struggling it it generally just t- comes down to losing key players as it is for almost every other club and and it's a very simple simplified answer but i'm going to try and um try and elaborate on it so so losing jack o'connell who is our left centre back? One of our best players um, at the club by by miles, been there since uh, with with the Wilder, with Wilder the whole time, and he's been a remarkable, amazing player, an absolute beast, like six foot five, built, um, incredible talent, um, and and also very technically talented, and and one of those players that a lot of Blaze fans were crying saying, why is this like crying for him to get into the England squad? um and i was definitely one of those players as well because he is generally that talented and losing him has affected so much more than just losing a really good player obviously because of his height and stature we've really lost um our our guile our strength in the air defensively and and offensively um you know on set pieces especially it's very easy for a team to come by and cross a ball into the box and there's just no one there that's if if Egan doesn't get it then then the ball just lands to a player there's there's no real you know defensive structure on that left hand side anymore now this has obviously massively affected the system system shape, and it i think obviously like in my opinion now football football's now no longer. Whoever's got the best of starting eleven wins the game of football. I think that those kind of times have gone now. I think footballers now who can who can play and better and more effectively in a system rather than based on personnel. So if anything changes to the system, such as a key injury or the system, like the you know key injury, the system fails. The, the the synergy is no longer there. And especially for smaller teams, this is an absolute must stand a chance in the higher and you know in. To, you know, against teams higher in the division if they're playing, or to move up the division. But it also happens on an elite level, like Liverpool, who also have struggled with losing key players, such as people like Trent Alexander-Arnold, Virgil Van Dijk, and, and uh, Jordan Henderson. Their synergy again is no longer there. They don't have their outlet passing, ball playing defender, if you want to use <laughs> trying to use a football manager term. Um, this is therefore leaving them open to mistakes, um, open to hesitation, which. In, in now in this kind of era of football, it's just, it just can't happen anymore because if you compare a game of football to back in the early two thousands or even, you know, even earlier, sorry, even more recent, you know, the late 2010s of football, football again, might be a bit of a generalization here, but I felt like it was quite, um, you know, slow build up play um, all of a sudden now, it seems football is almost hyper. It's hyper football. Every game you watch now is all based on counter-pressing, pressing pressing systems. That that gegenpress has become massive um, in in modern-day football. So when you're watching a, a game, there's no longer, you know, people kind of slowly getting back into position. It's more so... You know, so, as soon as you get the ball, there's already three or four players counter counter running, uh, and that like you know one touch football. You know, there's no time on the ball. Everyone's kind of it's kind of ping pong. It looks like basketball half the time. You know, um, moving up and down the pitch and f- for both sides. Leeds are especially a good a good example of that. Leicester as well. They just seem to play hyper football, just super one one touch one touch sprinting and and scoring on these like crazy counter attacks. So, you know, not, so. To counter that, it's the system is now more the system rather than a bunch of like because again Liverpool obviously a hard kind of example because they've got so many good players in that team. But for obviously the more recent recent example, Leeds have obviously a, dec- a you know a good squad, but those eleven players are not better than most of the eleven players in the Premier League. But because of how fast they play and how attacking they are that they are catching teams on the break and, and scoring lots and lots of goals because of it, because it's, it's that system. If anything happens in that, you know, they lose a Calvin Phillips, which you have done, they've struggled to do their second part of that, which is obviously defend, but they're, they're losing a key player within the system. But because everyone is so fast and attacking, you know, it, it's almost endless. So this can still kind of get results for us. It's it's the complete opposite. We, we are massively relied on this. Um, Overlapping centre back system, and now Jack O'Connell not being there, we've not only lost one of our key, well, essentially our key defensive player. We've now lost a, a massive part of our attacking game as well. So the loss of loss of Jack O'Connell has affected the attacking play and the dynamism of our movement on the left hand side, where he would overlap Stevens on the left and put a, put like a great ball into the box. Um, you know, either on the ground or in the air, that now no longer is happening. And there's been no suitable replacement in the squad that is that has been able to undergo undergo the change to do that role at left centre back. So we're now we're now completely missing this this attack. It completely nullifies the attack on the left hand side. So again, because there isn't a suitable replacement, again, this is kind of just passing the eye test the whole left-hand side of the tax feels somewhat abandoned. It, don't, it doesn't feel like that. It feels almost non-existent. Um, so, the, the, so all this pressure of the opposite team, that there's obviously, count, when they counter-pressure us, all, all the pressure, for, sorry, apologies, I'll rephrase, for our attacking movement is now all being switched over to the right-hand side. So the pressure is now on Basham and Baldock to, to essentially do all of the work on the right-hand side. And Ollie Norwood is essentially the passing hub of the team. So he now always passes the ball out to the right. That's the only way we come from now. So to, to simplify things even more, to, so rather than having an attack where essentially it could be 50% down the left-hand side, 50% down the right-hand side, our attack is now 100% on the right-hand side. So it's now painfully obvious to see how we're going to, you know, how we're going to attack a team. So every, like every team that now goes, oh, well, they're just going to come down the right hand side. Like we know how to deal with them. So it's painfully obvious and it makes it, it's, it's incredibly easy, especially for, you know, kind of stronger sides, um, to just counter and defend against us. It's it's very rare, um, you know, for us to put any kind of pressure on them anyway, but the very rare occasions when we do by putting pressure on Norwood and cutting out the main passing lane by c- counter pressing. When when the team, like I said, when when we very rarely put pressure on us, it means we have we have no attack. We've got no outlet pass. Um, it's it's so obvious to counter, so they just go. We'll cut out Norwood. So obviously they can't pass to anyone. So they're just going to have to they're just going to have to come down and, and just hit and hope essentially, which is what has happened so many times. It's been been so painfully boring to watch. Essentially, we all just the only way we can attack is by putting a ball. A ball in the box from the right hand side. That's the only way we can do it. So, obviously, this means the stri- this is also meaning our strikers are almost constantly cut off from receiving quality passes into the final third and having more of a, co- I'd say, more common goal scoring opportunities than than other teams. So these three balls, when you see a player run onto it and have a one on one, it never happens. We I, I never see that happen for us because. We play Oli. Oli McBurney as the target man. He heads it down to someone. There's no one really there overlapping. And McGoldrick, I'd say eight times or nine times out of ten, has to just make a pass into the middle. We're then pressured. And then we either lose the ball or we pass out to the left and we lose the ball or goes out for a throw and, and occasionally just rinse and repeat. There, there's there's nothing, there's nothing there anymore. So... I mean, to put it in perspective, the goal we've we've barely scored anything this season. Apart from David McGoldrick, all the strikers, all of them have struggled this season with scoring goals. And I might be wrong on this, but I mean, the only the only two people that have scored more than you know more than one goal this season has been David McGoldrick and Billy Sharp up front. They've either got one goal or not at all. So it, it, the the attacking intent is intent is almost gone. So I mean, again, our attacking is. Hoof it up to all him, but Bernie's the target man. Get it, try and get it to someone, and pass it on the right and cross a ball, and that's it. I mean, it's it's not even that's not even like it's not even like championship or League One. Th- that's just like pff, conference level bad. Like it's 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 just so painfully obvious for 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 the teams, and and when you're watching it, it's just I don't know, just just really like boring, like boring and obvious to to watch encounter and and unfortunately this is this is why we're never winning games It's is why we're never taking the leading games because it's just non-existent so obviously the attacking game has been massively affected but also the defensive the defensive has uh, the defense has been massively um ripped to shreds by this as well so just for you know for stats Sheffield United have also have been given up to 2 to 3 key passes a game more in the penalty area and the final third than last season so this is also taken into the account that dean obviously the keeper um like like dean henderson obviously for having such an amazing season last season there's no longer that last line of defense there anymore to to keep them out when we we make these mistakes because obviously they're getting into the box more they're getting into our final third more and are literally cutting the defense open the keeper is now facing more shots so of course, there's more chances. Obviously, more shots, more goals. Ramsdale's now facing tons of really high quality chances coming into the box. So, the I mean, these are why we're you know we're seeing sometimes even the games against Chelsea when we're seeing three goals and Southampton scoring like three goals past us. It's so easy for them to get in. And I, and I, and I'm, what's worrying is I feel like a lot of teams that do players are always in second gear. I think um, I I just think. You know, they if they really wanted to beat us more than one nil or two nil, they they generally could. I think Crystal Palace was a good example of it. You know, they went one nil up. We nearly scored from like literally, we had one chance in that game. We had one chance, and they were like, "Oh shit!" They nearly scored. Went down and scored straight away. Beat us two nil. So yeah, it's uh, it's been <laughs> it's been incredibly um, painfully obvious and depressing of how of how um, poor we've been. And I generally think teams could have, you know, could have, there could have been more batterings this season. I mean, for, you know, again, just according to something I'd, I'd seen on T4 Football, but Dean Henderson and goal last season um, is worked out. So the XG against, so XG expected goals, which is a goal to XG against is essentially, which is the probability that a shot becomes a goal based on the historic assessment of the shot for an, ex, you know, of the shot, for example, like a the placement of shot, where the shot's been taken and the quality of the shot. So if they might have like, you know, if they have the ball lands them, they've got like a clean one-on-one, you know, obviously it's a high kind of expected goals. Usually Dean Henderson last season was that good that he'd been directly responsible for stopping seven to nine goals, uh, seven to nine expected goals of last season, seven to nine. That is a massive amount. And how many games we won one nil last season, you know, that, that puts in perspective of, of how, how good he was and how good our defence was. So even when they did get through, there was a very rare chance that it was going to score because Dean Henderson was was so good. So, you know, again, like I said, this season it's been well, obviously to summarise, it's been a massive, massive amount of chances in the penalty box. Um, you know, things like cutbacks, just like painfully obvious attack cutbacks, silly mistakes, um that are just leading to well, goal stupid goals. And um, we just don't have that line of defence there. I mean, there was another thing I also read that there was obviously the, the amount of injuries the club, the teams had. There's been 10 back three. So the, the three defenders at the back, there's been 10 changes this season with, with people filling in. So there's the, the, the any chance of cohesion has been completely gone. There's There's nothing there. So as I mean, don't get me wrong. They try, of course, they try. I'm not trying to slate them and say, you know, oh, they're not playing for the shirt. Of course, they are, and that's what's so good about the club. You know, that the mentality is still there, but it's it's almost a losing battle every week. You know, there's there's the players just aren't good enough. The depth in the team. I mean, realistically, these injuries has affected us more that more than most because I think the depth and the talent in the squad. It generally doesn't compare to the majority or or if any of the other premier league teams in the division and the constant change in the players due to injuries is, is continuing to make things difficult because again like i said there's no cohesion there's no synergy there's no understanding of what's going on if there's constant changes so it's it's, it's almost a well, it always feels like a losing battle i don't feel like there's any game that we go into that we have a an incredibly good chance of winning um so yeah, just touching on that, basically there, you know, on the defense and the attack, there's been massive. Um, again, to try I've tried to go into a little bit more than just saying it's key injuries to to you know why the season's been affected. But we've had so many injuries, you know, Egan, Basham, McBurney, Osborne, Stevens, Fleck. Um, I mean, just just like the list. It obviously Bogles out for a couple of weeks now as well. Apparently, Rob, uh, you know, don't know what's happened to Jack Robinson. Mousset's always got something wrong with him. Jack, Jack Rowell doesn't even play and he's injured. So, I mean, it's literally just like, like, it's just the most, like, crap losing battle going. It's like, no one's about, no one's in the team. And it, so the people that, you know, would replace are just, are just not good enough. It's not good enough to be playing in the Premier League anyway. So, yeah, I, I generally feel for them. I feel for the defence. I don't want to be too negative, but it's been, um, it's been really, really tough this season to, to watch. And, I just obviously my my hopes for next season. I mean, because I think obviously, I think every every fan knows we're relegated. There's no two ways about it. We're getting relegated. But I, I mean, I accepted relegation after we lost to West Brom at the Hawthorns. I thought that was a game over. Um, but I'm going to try and finish on somewhat of a uh, of a positive. Um, i mean the rest of the season i was again i don't think we'll finish on 11 points i don't think we'd finish off on that i'm not sure where the next points going to come from again i'm not that's me being painfully obvious i'm not really sure where the next point is going to come from um i think we can get a couple i think maybe a couple of draws but i generally think I think that's it for us i don't i don't see uh, obviously that you know it's mathematically almost mathematically impossible we're not going to stay up um but you know there's, obviously there there's so many reasons why we struggle i get obviously again the, the lack of fans there as well you know that's the obvious elephant in the room the lack of fans the fact that there's no one there if for a club like us, it's absolutely massive we need that you know what i mean we need the fans there because they push us, push us on and and you know there's been there's probably been a lot of games last season and in the championship where we weren't particularly great but the fans get us over the line you know they obviously being there at gets us over the line and with that not being there, I mean, I think the writing was on the wall from last season. You know, when we came back, the sliding doors moment, obviously with the ball going over the over the line against Aston Villa, um, you know, was 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 obviously disgraceful. The VAR decision that's gone against us has been, you know, shocking. But I, I, yeah, honestly, the writing was on the wall. I think last season after we got a couple of big wins, obviously beat Spurs, beat Chelsea, beat Wolves. I mean, that was that was incredible. Those were amazing results. But yeah, the, like losing to Southampton, I think it was three one something like that in the last game of the season, and then Leicester beating us, and we just kind of limped over the line to to finish in ninth after we were you know challenging for Europe. Um, yeah, just feel like 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 I said, the right was just writing was just on the wall. Um, but I never thought it was going to be this bad. Um, if I'm being honest, and uh, I feel from for a lot of Blades fans as well, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of people that are maybe get a bit too carried away. Um, at, you know, at, you know, people like sending abuse to players and stuff. Obviously, that that's just like not acceptable, like on any, on any level, really. You can't got to stick by them. Stick by obviously, stick by Wilder. Obviously, I know. Um, you know, that's that's a given. You know, we need him for next season. Um, and as long as he's at the club, we've always got a chance. We've always got a chance, and um, that's that's what we're looking. That's what we're looking at. So yeah, next season, I'll touch on that briefly, uh, and uh, I'll probably end the pod on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been been poor <laughs> to say the least. It's been poor. But anyway, yeah, that's just uh, just a couple of reasons and uh, my thoughts and why it has been so bad uh, this season, and it's not much positives to go on, um, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Essentially, I don't really have much words else to say of why else we've been bad, but I'm, I'm going to go into the next uh, li- next little part of the season and what we've got to look forward to, to next season there and uh, probably end the podcast on that. Okay. So to try and end the podcast on something, at least somewhat positive on a positive note obviously as I've already uh, stated many times that we will be getting relegated this season um, I think next season will be I, I'm actually to be honest right now I'm very very excited for it I'm very excited for next season um, I feel that we have okay like maybe obviously at the moment when we have our players come back when everyone's back from injury I think we've got a squad in easily good enough to compete in the championship of course i think people are getting a little bit too carried away sometimes of saying you know the drop from the from the premier league to the championship even i've said it at some point in moments of frustration moments of ire and anger and stuff and 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 being very because i can be very reactionary after a defeat after a loss um so it's so for next so so for me going like oh you know yeah we've we've, we've just lost a game to liverpool or we've lost a game to crystal palace when we go to the championship we might fall through to league one i do yeah with wilder at the helm that will never ever happen simple as that will never happen um i think the more realistic thing for next season is can we keep can we keep the players that we've got and again i'm going to look at it in a positive uh spin and say yeah I think I think we can. I think there's a very good possibility that we keep our players next season. You look at... Obviously, again, finances are still going to be a bit skewed with COVID. So I, I still think that um, big spending may not happen. Um, okay, maybe not on... Not from the teams that would be realistically buying the players from us. So I think the, the, the big six will always spend, as the big six always does. But I don't think... that The players that would leave our club and i mean this in the greatest possible possible um way because obviously I, I love the club i love the players that we have and i love the journey we've been on but the players that would be leaving sheffield united i'd say even the best ones like egan jack o'connell baldock um even sandberg to an extent um i think that the teams that they would be leaving to are the teams that probably will not be spending a massive amount of money um you know going forward and I certainly don't think there's been any interest on the national, like on an international front, where a team from, say, Italy is looking at John Egan or looking at Jack O'Connell or George Baldock. The teams that I think would be genuinely interested in the players that we have is your Brighton's, Crystal Palace, um, or maybe not even West Ham anymore, but usually around about that, so, you know, Burnley, um, uh, West Brom, and obviously Aston Villa. Uh, Aston Villa, the only one that I'm generally concerned about because they just spend money for the sake of it. But those are the teams that I've mentioned, you know, like I said, Crystal Palace, Burnley, uh, West Brom, um, and Brighton. These teams are not going to be spending, you know, 60, 70, 80 million in the next transfer. I could be wrong. I mean, if it changes, I'll hold my hands up, but I don't see that happening. So, the potential dangers of where our players would be going to, I just don't see there. So I think very similar to to what's happened with Norwich when they went down, they didn't have a fire sale. Obviously, um, you know, they've kept hold of their main player, Emmy, Emmy Buendia, kept a hold of Todd Cantwell. They've kept hold of Max Arons. Um, You know, th- th- those are their main players. Same with Bournemouth. Obviously, Bournemouth uh, let Ramsdale go, and they let Josh King go, but they've still got, you know, they're, they're, you know, David Brooks, who I'd love to come back to Bramaline. Still got David Brooks. They've still got a very, very strong squad. Um, you know, uh, still a lot of, like, players that have dropped down, um, uh, have come down with them. So I I don't really feel like the risk like the the factor is there for someone to really like go and and overspend and um, Sheffield United are now in a very very positive position where they can go well we don't need to sell our players this isn't when we went down um, to the Championship back in two thousand and eight uh, obviously th- there's. You know, there wasn't the parachute payments were nothing compared to what's being paid out now. And we did have to sell players. We had to sell, you know, Rob Hulses and, uh, you know, Danny Webbers and and Phil Jagielkas, Matt Kilgallon's, you know, uh, even Paddy Kenny, uh, play, you know, players like that, like are, you know, decent kind of players. They, they all left and, uh, you know, we still had some good players come in. Obviously, we had James Beattie come in who obviously had a fantastic career. Sheffield United, one of one of my favourite players uh, to play for us and we still had some, we still had a very good squad. It's one of my favourite squads actually, you know, with people like James Beattie, David Cottrell, um, obviously Billy Sharp coming, kind of coming back through. Um, it was a, it was a really good like little squad we had but we're not in a position where we necessarily need to do that. I feel like we're in a better financial position. We didn't, I think, you know controversially the right move was not to spend any money in january not to bring someone in on loan and save the money um for for next season um we can keep i think um obviously the main the main one that would be you know probably like the, the odds on to leave um is Sanderberg. berg um but i think i just think he's a, an incredibly personable like lovely genuine guy and i think he really obviously he's a very he's a very popular boy at the training ground obviously Wilder talks about him a lot he hangs out with George Baldock John Egan a lot um and he he has obviously a very genuine like uh, attraction to him and if i'm being totally honest and this is and i hope he does i see him going i'm staying here next season i don't need to leave i'm i'm happy in sheffield i've settled down um i'm still playing with my mates you know th- th- this is a good side and to be a little bit harsh again i, I don't think the teams I, I think he's been he's been good for us obviously he kind of really kind of kicked on this season um, in, in a few big games obviously he went missing in a couple but he, he did look good in games um i still just don't see him garnering the attention of a of a big club where he's going to move aston villa again there's rumors in it but I, I don't know i just i just don't see him going to aston villa i don't see him playing for villa I really hope this doesn't come back to bite me now, but I don't see it happening. Um, I see him sticking. I see John Egan sticking. I mean, obviously he's now coming off an injury. Jack O'Connell's coming off an injury. So people are not gonna teams are not gonna make that move, I don't think, just yet. Ream Brewster, he's not gonna go anywhere next season. And obviously Aaron Ramster's already um, mentioned that he's not going anywhere next season. Bogle, obviously, they've just come in this season, so again, I don't see them going. So Wilder has obviously just come out recently said something that that the chances of players leaving are very very slim, and you know the the chances are you know them sticking together and then making a good push next season is a is a big possibility with obviously players that they're looking to bring in. So when you look at that, you go, well, oh, okay, yeah, you actually look at that side and you go, yeah, there's a, there's a good chance. But Bernie and Brew, Brewster in the in the championship, you still got. Great professionals like McGoldrick, you still got great p- professionals like Billy Sharp who could still offer something in the championship. I know um, other fans might laugh at that, but that is a genuine. They are generally, you know, good enough to play in the championship. Um, it's it's exciting. I'm actually excited, and and you know, you look at a team like Burnley. There's now enough. There's now enough case studies that you know sometimes the you know a team comes down, they can come back. Bournemouth could do it this season. Obviously, they're kind of edging around the the playoffs, but Norwich are in that uh, top top bracket they're looking to come back um and again also we're going to get that money from parachute payments as well so you know that there's there's enough case studies to say you know essentially just like a burnley You know, yeah, we go down, go down for one season, come back up again and then establish yourself with an even stronger squad with more depth, get rid of some of the dead wood that, you know, just aren't going to be good enough. And then you go again. And then who knows, Sheffield United are a genuine could thing. Now we're in the position we're in with the management staff. We keep everything the same. We are a team that could potentially, and this is what everyone wants, to consolidate themselves as a Premier League club for for the foreseeable future, like a Burnley. uh, or, or even a you know Burnley Crystal Palace might not be the the sexiest uh, teams on the block you know for that type of thing but hey you know we're, you know that's that is definitely the goal um, that is definitely the goal and uh, I I tell you what I'd I'd love to to have that to have that you know to, to have our club in that state because we've always been as long as I've been a fan and even uh, my dad who's uh, obviously a lot older than myself of course in in his uh, early fifties you know, he's always seen us as a a top end championship club team. That's always kind of challenging around, but, but, but the the club generally is in the best hands. It could have, it's been in, in years. There is a lot of stuff to be positive about. It's difficult after losses to pick ourselves up and go, things are going to be okay. You know, but I generally am excited I'm excited for next season. Um, I, I really think these players, like Max Lowe, Bogle's just Bogle's just going to kick on. Berg's just going to kick on. Brewster's definitely going to kick on, and I think McBurney's going to kick on. Um, and I just, yeah, just think. I think there's, there's a huge there's a huge vacuum uh, between talent between the Championship and the Premier League. So us coming down and 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 then obviously you know you're picking up that confidence early on. You you know you're playing your Rotherhams, You're playing your well, I mean, it seems almost incredible to say, it, but you've, you're Nottingham Forest, you Derby are really struggling this season. Yeah. You, you know, your Huddersfield teams that are uh, Birmingham cities, all those, you know, we're going to beat and we've look and the, you know, we're looking comfortable to beat them. And we, with the team we've got, we could still go down and, and do something. Like I said, it's just easy to get carried away, um, you know, with, with loss after loss after loss, but we're playing the elite of the Premier League and we've got a lot of injuries when you just sit and think about it, you go, oh yeah, you know, it makes sense. So I think the championship genuinely for next season causes, um, a lot to be excited about, a lot to be confident about. And, um, yeah, just really, really, really looking, <laughs> looking forward to getting this season out of the way. And hope like we just, all we, all we need to do this season is just beat Derby's record, get another point. You go down with 12 points. Yeah. It's still a bit embarrassing, but at the end of the day, who give, who cares? No one, no one gives a shit. If you go down, we 12 points, thirteen, fifteen 15 points. It doesn't matter. Like, you're down anyway. It it doesn't make a difference. And you go again. And um, I think the, the, the people in that dressing room will, will lift them up for next season. And who knows? We could be talking about, you know, in a year's time, Sheffield United, Winning, winning the championship, and I'm not, I'm not generally not trying to be over the, over the top there. That could, that could be something to happen. Um, you know, story always, you know, sometimes you go forward, you take a couple of steps back to, to get where you want to be, and that's maybe what we're in right now. Um, it's been a disaster of a season, but if someone said to me, you know, before the, you know, before we went up to the Premier League, you're going to finish ninth and challenge for Europe, but you're going to have a terrible season, go down. You know, would I would I want, you know, to kind of write off that season? Of course not. I mean that that's that season will never be tainted. This this season's been bad. It's been crap. There's been no fans. This season, I think for a lot of people, has been the season we've kind of fallen out of love with football. I know for me, I have especially, but last season was still one of the best. It is the best season of my life. It was last season, and hopefully there'll be many more great memories to come under Chris Wilder and Alan Nil and under these fantastic players. so yeah, a lot of cause to be excited about. So and I think on that note, I wanted to end the podcast on a positive note. Um, and yeah, so I'm I'm glad if if people have listened, then thank you very much for listening. Okay, uh, it's my first <laughs> first ever podcast. It's my first, well, especially doing it on my own, so it might be a bit rambly. Apologies if it is a bit rambly, but I, I like to think I made some um, some semi decent points in there to to kind of open the lid and say why has Sheffield United struggle rather than just we're a bit shit so yeah i'll uh i'll leave the pod on that and yeah thank you for listening hopefully see you in the next episode bye